Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. I remember how it used to be. The phone's ringing off the hook. Clients are coming in the front door like crazy. And here comes little technician Timmy. Timmy comes up and he says, hey boss, where's my part? Where you want me to go next? What you want me to do? Gosh, Timmy, if I knew, I'd tell you, buddy, but I am covered up. All of that stopped when I found Shopware. With Shopware, you get an industry-leading expediter right there in the software. It tells you if your parts are here, where your technician should go next, and how much time they have left to complete the jobs in the day. Go to GetShopware.com to learn more. GetShopware.com. Hey, everybody. David here, and welcome to the ASOG Podcast. Is it worth having your technicians AAC certified? Is it worth asking for certification when hiring? What does it mean to be ASC certified? Well, in this episode, we tackle those very questions. Joining us is Matt Fanslow, the lead diagnostician and shop manager at Riverside Automotive in Red Wing, Minnesota. Matt is a subject matter expert for ASC and has participated on 18 ASC technical committees. If you haven't already, make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. We're on every single one. If you're catching us on YouTube, please make sure that you subscribe to the channel. You can also support the show on Patreon. Our patrons will be receiving a few exclusive perks, including early access to new episodes, bonus content, and monthly Ask Me Anythings featuring the very best industry coaches and trainers. Just go to asog.site, that's S-I-T-E, not .com, .com was taken, and click on Become a Patron Now, and that will take you to our Patreon page. With all that out of the way, here we go. So let me put all this in perspective. Um, so I don't know if you know anything about where we stand with my shop right now, but we're two and a half techs. We've been averaging 110 to 112,000 a month. Nice. And we're a two and a half base shop, right? Wow. And so um, three weeks ago, my service advisor didn't show up on Monday. And we had 16 or 17 appointments that Monday alone. And then he quit at 530 that afternoon. So that put me back as service advisor. So um, I have been up since 122 this morning. (laughs) So if I start drowsing off over here or bumbling, somebody tell me to shut the hell up. Um, (laughs) He talks more when he's tired. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's exactly. What saying. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Um, but in all seriousness, so you know, you brought up something that that has kind of been on my mind a lot lately, right? And and you brought up the ASE topic, and so when. I first kind of got in ASOG and I first started getting in some of these circles and some of these groups. I came in with this idea that ASE was this worthless thing, right? Everybody I ever talked to, you know, uh, it's just a plaque you put on the wall. And, you know, a lot of the things that I've seen and a lot of the experiences that I've had have led me to believe in some ways um, initially that, hey, this isn't very valuable. And the reason being is, is because I can't find techs who are ASC certified who are worth a hoot. And as I've grown as an owner, I've realized more and more that had a whole lot to uh, more to do with me as an owner than it did with the techs. And my ability to hire people and see through the flack and pick the right person out, and put the right systems in place. But it seems to be a really apparent theme that the ASE is not a trusted name like like it should be. And one of the things that that kind of brought this up is you saw a post that I had made. And that post was talking about um, it was talking about associations and it was really about ASOG and our local independent garage owners of North Carolina. And that post really had one thing in mind, and it was how can we work better through ASOG and these local organizations to bring unity to our industry? Because I really feel like it seems like all these organizations are going in different directions and I don't want to pick on any one of them, but everybody's like, we're going to go do this. We're going to go do this. And everybody's going in this like separate direction. There's no progress in one direction. Where do you think ASC falls into this? And and what are your thoughts moving forward? Tell us where we need to go. Well, so when we bring up ASC, my, my brain just lights up with all kinds of different things in different directions. Uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know. The first thing is, is I think we found ASE to have little value because for one, I think there's a misconception about what that credential means. And part of it's, for lack of a better description, I guess, is ASE's fault in the titles. But, you know, I kind of kick it around. What are they supposed to name this stuff? You get somebody that gets all A1 through A8. They pass all those exams and they get a credential basically saying they're an ASE certified master technician. And yet every one of those exams, A1 through uh, really A9, if you pass that exam, you're meeting a um, minimum threshold of knowledge as set by industry. And I think that's very misunderstood. For one, that this, this bar that's been set I think people think ASE just has a meeting once a year or once every few years where they get everybody together, the president, the test managers, the secretaries, the janitors, and they all just sit around in a room and, wow, what should we make the cut score today or, you know, for this exam? And that's really not how it works. They they bring people in specifically uh, from all areas of the trade, be it independent tax, independent shop owners, dealer techs, dealer managers, uh, sometimes certain parts, suppliers or uh, manufacturers or distributors, equipment manufacturers, what else? Trainers from both independent and uh, from the OE side. So like 
Raytheon comes to mind. They'll have all these representatives from the, the different kind of areas of the trade. And Lucas and I have been telling you about Parts Tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your Parts Tech account, go to My Shop, and click on the Rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. They sit in a room and come up with the cut score. Cut score meaning that's the that's the minimum number of uh, questions you have to answer correctly to pass the exam and earn the credential. So when you get all eight and get assigned master technician status it's somewhat of a misnomer but on the flip side i'm not really sure how what they would name it anyways so i think right away somebody says oh master technician so you you should be all knowing and it's really not the case you just passed all these exams at the minimum or, or at least passed the bar to be what industry has set as the minimum amount of knowledge which really means you're trainable. You you have some some knowledge. You know you shouldn't be totally green. Right, uh, and right. you know what I mean. So sometimes that the so here I'm kind of downplaying what the credential means, which I don't like sounding like. I it don't mean it that way at all. I don't mean to stutter saying that, that either. Counter like, to the typical opinion, though. Right. I, I think everybody sees it as the pinnacle. Rather yeah. than a baseline. It is. It's the baseline. It's and then But if you look at it as a baseline, that makes so much more sense than yeah, absolutely. To view it as a baseline saying, Hey, my guys are in here, they've met a baseline level of knowledge or expertise, and they're gonna continue training from here on out. But I I don't know anybody that's looked at it that way. I've never heard that by the way, either, Matt. Well, yeah, we're ASCs. Everybody really... looks at it as a pinnacle. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah. I've hit this pinnacle. And it, look at all the posts on the technician groups. Everybody says, hey, look, I got my, you know, I, I got my uh, my L1 or whatever. They see it as like I've achieved this this level of knowledge. Yep. And, you know, I've hit the, the, the top rather than I'm showing a baseline level of, of competence. Correct. Right. You've, you've demonstrated like the minimum. Exactly. The minimum level of knowledge or competence 
to earn this credential, to maybe work in this area of the vehicle. It doesn't mean you're a master level at all. And But on the flip side, I also don't want to devalue it in that when you earn that credential, you, you have accomplished something. You, you've accomplished something worth some notoriety and a pat on the back and not as many people or techs or test takers, uh, candidates, not nearly as many pass the exams as we would think. Uh, I think a lot of times we think some of the easier exams, maybe like breaks, you know, we probably think 90% of the people that take that get it. And, and it's not nearly that high. It's not nearly as low as like the advanced level exams, you know, the L1, not very many, or I shouldn't say not very many people, but it's under 50% past the L1. And some right. of these A1 through A8 are really, I got to get in a better habit of saying A1 through A9. You know, a lot of times it's not a whole like, heck of a lot higher than half. Right. Some more than others. But when you earn that credential, you have accomplished something. But you're really just at the beginning of the, uh, you know, the yellow brick road or the rabbit hole, whatever, however you want to look at the your career in this trade, that you you have accomplished something of notoriety. You, you've done something uh, very good and deserving of some level of respect. However, when you sport in that patch, ASC certified, ASC certified master, it's hard to call yourself a master. It really is. You, you might be, you know, you might be a master and have it, but just because you've earned it doesn't mean that's what you are, if that makes sense. How do you shift the perception? Hopefully the word gets out. Hopefully, um, really, I feel like the strength of this, where the, the real thrust for the trade to start looking at ASE as something that everybody should have, strive for if need be, maintain if you already have them, or maintain if you've had them in the past. I The more I think about it, the more I got to go look at uh, ownership, shop ownership management to start demanding it. Um, of their techs, of their advisors, of themselves, if if they're in that position, depending on the uh, situation, and uh, making it worth their while, like not only not only at the front counter, just selling it. You know, why why do you want to bring your card here? Well, okay, you know, our warranty. Uh, we only use the best parts. We also have, you know, ASC certified technicians. What's ASE? Here's a little bit of information on it. Somebody calls you up. It's like, oh, gosh, you know, my daughter's going to college down in Arizona. We don't know where to have her take her car. Well, the first thing is look for an ASE symbol, you know, and we have to give it the value. ASE, when it really boils down to it, that's not their job. It's not like you go take the bar exam and the bar is out there advertising for lawyers. It's not like um, you have the... uh I've never yeah, really the problem, seen much. Though, is you can't practice law without having passed the bar exam, right? right. So we have to kind of self-impose it. Medicine without being board certified. So I think it th- that's just assumed of every lawyer that while well, you're legally practicing law, therefore you've passed the bar. Where I, I've gotten those phone calls where they ask, "Are your technicians certified?" That's all they ask. They don't say ASC certified, right? And so at what point, what do you, what do you tell them? Like, yeah, they're certified. They never ask in what, I don't think anybody in the general public understands how many tests you can take and the difference between me and master certified, master certified with L1. 
I, I have to disagree with you and say that it's not their job. I think a portion of their job is in marketing themselves as the, the standard of competence or at least a, a way to prove competence to the general public and come out and say, hey, look, if you see this symbol at the shop that you're at, you know at least those technicians in there have a, a, a base level of competence, know what they're doing uh, to a certain degree. Again, not trying to downplay the accomplishment, but if you don't do that and you just rely on the on the shop, well, we get what we have right now. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> which which is everybody just downplays it like it's meaningless. Who cares that you have your ASC? It doesn't matter. The shops that actually have taken the time to push for the testing and had uh, helped the technicians or have employed technicians that take pride in taking the tests and passing them do advertise them like crazy. To be Blue Seal certified is a big deal to a lot of shops because they've actually accomplished it. Everybody who hadn't accomplished it uh, tends to downplay it, down, tends to say, ah, it doesn't matter. You know, right. I've got 40 years right. of experience. I don't need that thing to tell me I know what I'm doing. Yeah. When I talk to techs about it, it's usually there's not a reason to get it. There's no reward. Um, they, they get them. There's no pay increase. There's no really acknowledgement uh, of it. There's no benefit. So what has ASE ever done for me? And, you know, I'm, I wouldn't, I'd be lying if I said I haven't been torn about ASE's position, but I guess I just look at them as we, we pay them to develop the exam because they were brought, you know, they were created first and foremost to keep the government out of our profession. Right. Yes. The, you know, way back when the government was going to get involved and the fear of people being taken advantage of uh, was really high. And we, as a profession, elected to create, uh, I think it was NIASE at the time. I could be wrong, but I think that's what it was called. And that was a volunteer, you know, voluntary exam to prove competency uh, or a minimum level of competency. And then ASE grew, switched from NIA. ASE to ASE, we got all kinds of exams, right? For all sorts of areas of not just auto repair, but, you know, school bus, heavy duty, uh, machinist, stuff like that. And ASE really didn't come up with the idea itself to come up with these exams. The professions themselves approached ASE and said, hey, we would like to build this exam. Same like the hybrid uh, exam. And now an ADOS exam is being created. ASC didn't just up and decide, oh, okay, we need to come out with a hybrid exam. They were approached by uh, the profession to do this. And I don't know if contracted is quite the right word, but they had enough reason to do it. And so I look at ASC as a test developer primarily. And then now with um, Prometric, a test administrator. And that's really their job. Like That's what we've asked them to do at least in the past, is come up with this exam that does a very good job of discriminating between a less knowledgeable test candidate and a knowledgeable test candidate at the this line that we draw, that, w that we say, this has got to be the bar. And I, th I think they do that remarkably well, probably 
greatly misunderstood and um, also underappreciated that how well they do that. They, you know, they do it so well that uh, your credentials are defensible in court. So it's kind of a big deal, you know, so they do carry some weight, but like you said, you know, I sometimes wonder if they would have spent some funds on marketing towards the, the motoring public, however that would be magazines, commercials, whatever, look for an ASC uh, seal, whether it's a patch on a tech's arm, the blue seal on the shop, you know, that being like the gold standard. I wonder if that they shouldn't be doing that. Um, would that drive up the cost of the exams? You know, probably. Well, I mean, I, I think, I think there, there, there has to be a certain portion of contribution from maybe the shops sort of like we do with uh, our associations. That's another point of frustration, uh, at least on my end. And I know we, you and I, Lucas, have talked about it. Um, these associations come together and they said, hey, we're trying to, to join all these shops together so we can, uh, what's the end result? It ends up being, hey, we can bring uh, subsidized training to the area, which is great. And, you know, we can put these package deals for discounts on uniforms and things like that. And that's all wonderful and, and, and fine. But I know the Midwest Auto Care Alliance sends out a list of code of ethics. But, you know, other than displaying it out in my lobby and putting it on my website, that, that's sort of as far as it goes. Uh, there isn't a lot of public awareness of what the Midwest Auto Care Alliance is the average customer doesn't walk into a shop and say, Hey, are you a Midwest auto care Alliance member? Because those are the type of shops I want to visit. I don't, because of the code of ethics, because of what their commitment to training, uh, you don't hear customers asking for that. And that, that's what I mean about the AC certification. You don't hear a lot of customers specifically asking for uh, level of certification of your technicians. I think as an industry, especially as a shop owner, you, you make a good chunk of your money or most of your money or all of your money hanging parts mm-hmm. and, and that's it. And so the level of competence, I don't need necessarily a person to be able to articulate how the system works. Can they identify low brake pads and can they change them out and not have it come back? <laughs> yes or no. And they don't need to be able to take that, that test and show competence in ABS systems in braking systems, being able to diagnose systems properly, because they're only going to encounter that a small percentage of the time. The rest of the time it's just, Hey, the pads are worn out. I need somebody who can hang them competently. And that person may not be able to read or write. You see what I'm saying? Like they don't need to, (laughs) they need to know lefty, loosey, righty, tidy, and and have a, a, a set of tools and that's it. And so I think it, it almost comes down to the shop owners themselves valuing that over somebody who can come in and can competently diagnose more difficult issues, can articulate, and here, here's where it's going to come down to, to uh, or, or where it's going to become really important, is in communicating why this system is, uh, or why this component has failed, what we need to do about it, what testing I've done to determine that. Does that make sense? Like somebody who can sit down and, and, uh, and take a test and be, uh, and understands the way the systems work enough to pass the test is also going to be able to articulate 
why the system failed because they know it. They understand it. They have no theory of operation. They can articulate it and they'll be able to communicate it properly to the service advisor. But if you're not communicating that information properly to the customer, hold then- up, hold up. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up. I, I just got to ask. I mean, like, so I, I'm going to go to the doctor's office and the nurse practitioner comes out and I'm okay with her not being certified. I'm, I'm okay with her not knowing lefty, loosey, righty, tidy, right? And all of a sudden, I'm expecting her to care for my medical needs just because she's not the doctor. I'm okay accepting less. No, I still see her as a professional, right? And and I, I think that even when we look at that lower side, and, and I think that's why we've seen so much of, of the growth in um, some of the GS realms, right, and, and the lower certifications. But, I mean, you know, hearing you explain it like that, no, I mean, that person's still a professional, right? They still need to know the basic competencies. They still need to show that they're a professional. I, I don't think that we can just look at somebody and say, look, all I need you to do is be able to take the brake pads off and put them back on, right? I, 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 I hate think- to tell you this. I, I've interviewed dozens of people. That's what they do. I've had people apply for positions at my shop. That's what they do. And they'll tell you, I don't know how to diagnose. I can't read a wine diagram. My spelling isn't very good. I can barely read, but I can hang some parts. Do you want me to work here or not? And by the way, I'll take, you know, 15 bucks an hour. And, and, and I understand, but that's part of the problem with our industry. I mean, we, we you know, other industries won't accept that. Shops will know? hire that guy, though. Of course they will. He, he won't come to work at my shop, but I guarantee you the shop down the street's picking up. That shop also isn't part of the Midwest Auto Care Alliance. And, you know, their labor rate is maybe 20, 30, 40% cheaper than mine. They want the cheaper guy and they'll pad slap all day long. Well, well, but right. the but, general but see, public walks in seeing it, seeing us as equals. Right. And, and here's the thing. So Matt said something really interesting a few minutes ago, right? And, and, and this is when I learned this side of ASE. I, I became intrigued, right? I, I, as opposed to looking at it like just a stupid certification you hung on the wall, I kind of saw it differently. I listened to an episode, of, I think it was one of Carm's podcast with Chris Chesney, and Chris explained where ASE came from. And so here's my thought process, and, and I've heard a lot of grumblings about this recently. Eventually... I, I think we come to a point where all of a sudden the government tries to step back in, right? We, we've seen them. We've seen manufacturers cry foul and say, "Hey, there's there's cybersecurity problems. There's telematic security problems. There's there's these security problems. We've got to figure out. We've got to deal with this, right? Eventually, they're going to cry foul loud enough that they're going to want to come back in here and say, hey, let's let's get back in here. We need to regulate these guys. Now, I've heard a couple different perspectives. Um, I've, I've talked to some people who plan to come onto the show here in the future and discuss that. But it seems to me that ASE should be really taking this opportunity to speak up, speak loud and say, hey, we're we're bridging this gap. We're we're the ones here to make sure that these guys are competent in doing this, that they're aware of how this system works, that they're right, that 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 they are meeting the snuff, as they would say in the mountains of North Carolina, that they're able to do this. 
And I don't think that they've said that loud enough that anybody's heard them if they are saying it. And I think that that we're depending on them to market that in that way. But I never even knew that was a component of ASE. Right. And so my question to you, is it possible that many of these organizations that were supposed to protect us, these organizations that were supposed to help us self-regulate have kind of dropped the ball? They've all gone in all these different directions. There's been no unity. There's been no single direction where we're all saying, hey, look, um, here's the game plan. Here's the challenges we're faced with. Here's what we need to do. And if we don't want to see government intervention or government regulation, here's the path we have to take. Do you think they've missed the ball? From a marketing standpoint, I think so. But what, what do you do, though? Uh, how do you how do you make sure that the shop owners start giving a crap about it? And that's what I was saying about the the parts hanger. As soon as the shop owner stops prizing that, as soon as the shop owner says, "Hey, I don't give a crap about their level of competence," can they can they do these brake pads without a comeback? Yes or no? Then that's it. That's all I care about. I'm going to get that person as cheap as possible, and I'm going to make as much of a markup as I can on that job. And I'm just going to pump them through the shop as fast as possible so I can get my boat because that's all that matters is the boat. And so as soon as they stop prizing that and they say, no, it's important that I have professionals working here. It's important that I distinguish myself as being a place that employs only the best, only the best professionals available. And that includes ensuring certification of every single one of my guys to a certain minimum standard, whatever that happens to be. Well, look, so I'm I'm not going to say who it is. You'll just have to listen to future episodes to figure out which one of our future guests may have this belief. But I was talking to somebody a while back and he was talking about the fact that he sees eventually that you may have to have a manufacturer certification to do even basic stuff with a vehicle, right? Whether it's coding a, a window switch, right? Um, and that adds a layer of complexity that if the manufacturers come back and say, hey, listen, you know, we're happy to give you repair information. We're happy to give you this stuff. But to do that, you have to be certified on our brand. Well, what if I they mean, gave away the information for free as an incentive to certify their guys on their products? I don't think those people ever give anything away for free. <laughs> Maybe heavily discounted. In other yeah, words, I you mean, have to pay for the test. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna run you through uh, courses on our, our GM platforms, and once your guys are certified, you'll have full access to our information. Well, I, I think there's some really great ways to handle this, but I, I mean, I guess my perspective is: is the aftermarket ready for that? Are are they going to be willing? And 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 you know, we talk about this frequently. And, and, you know, we talk about some of the things that Dutch has said to me in the past, and Dutch has frequently told me there are some shops that are not going to make it. As bad as that sucks to say it, as bad as it is to realize it, there's some shops that aren't going to make it. There's some shops that shouldn't make it. They're, they're probably not going to be the same shops. The ones that we would argue, right or wrong, shouldn't make it, are not going to be the same as the ones that won't make it. Right. Most likely. 
And I, my, my point was, as long as there are people out there that say an oil change is just an oil change, it shouldn't be that expensive. It shouldn't be that complicated. As long as there are people out there that think that, you know, it, they're going to keep going to the, the cheaper guy because they don't, they don't understand. And the cheap guy is not telling them that, Hey, I have to put factory spec oil on your vehicle, you know, because of all these doodads that they added to this engine to make sure you get really good gas mileage and good, decent performance. You know, I've got to put zero 16 oil in your car. I can't just throw whatever I have on the shelf and they don't know about it and they may not care. So they just go the cheaper guy because he's cheaper. Right. But the, the only way you overcome that, right, there's only one way to overcome that. And that is through a education. But but maybe we're to the point in our industry like, I, you know, I hate to tell you, but you're not going to go to the doctor's office and then give you a shot of some low budget cheap diddly do. Right. Uh, they're going to give you what you need. Yeah, you can. You might get a generic, but it's what you need. They're not going to give you penicillin if you're allergic to it. So I keep bringing up the doctor thing because do we eventually reach a place that we're forced to be regulated, whether it's through a government entity, whether it's through manufacturers, whether it's through ASE stepping up or ACA stepping up or whatever it may be. Do we, uh, do we think we eventually reach that place? Because the reality is, is those people don't go away. Those hacks and, and poor quality kind of under the radar folks if you don't have some type of system in place to deal with that, they're never going to go away. And and some states require certification. Some states require you to be uh, a member of the bar or, or whatever they call it. I can't remember, but they require that. And they're still there. So there's yeah, got to go be another way around it. Right. There's got to be another way around it. Yeah. I guess I have a lot of thoughts and they're not foolproof by any means. Uh, some are really kind of weak in some respects, but. The fact that ASC is voluntary could really be a real powerful marketing tool. But kind of like David is implying, if you don't get a large number of shops kind of united as a, as a profession across the nation to push uh, not only to have their employees certified, but then market uh, credentialing. Not so much to make ASE popular, like the the company itself or the entity itself, but the the credentials, the the people that earn the credentials. Because it's voluntary, you could argue that that holds even more weight than being forced. Like, oh, I can't even do this uh, for a career unless I have this credential. No, no, no. We chose to do that because we have pride. We want to demonstrate competency. We want to continue to be, become more and more competent. That could be a really powerful marketing tool. The problem is, you know, as David's already mentioned, the shop down the street, eh, whatever. It doesn't mean anything. So you got kind of that oil change argument thing going on. I think, I think eventually, right or wrong, the government will end up being involved because a lot of people in the trade, in the profession are calling for it, begging for it. Somebody, please make it so you have to have a license to practice auto repair. And then the advantage with that would be there's now teeth. There's somebody to show up and shut somebody down. You know what I mean? Where whether you have ASC credential or not, 
there's no, nothing going to show up going to shut the doors on you. And it's not like the parts stores are going to stop delivering. Um, I thought I had this brilliant idea for parts manufacturers to start rewarding ASC certified shops or tech certified in the area of service on a vehicle. So I want to buy brake pads. You know, as a shop, I have an ASC certified tech. He's in the database. He's the one working on the vehicle or overseeing the repair. He's going to sign off on it or, or she. Maybe I don't get a price break, but I get a better warranty. So maybe, you know, Joe Blow off the street, he gets, you know, six months warranty, parts warranty, parts only. A shop that doesn't have ASE credentials, maybe they get a year, parts only. Now I got the ASE, you know, seal or an ASE tech. You know, I get a year, I get two years, parts and labor. Because I, you know, as a company, we feel the installation has a much better chance of being proper and we're just not going to have the warranty concern. But that wouldn't last, right? You know, maybe a couple of them would start doing it. Well, then there'd be a few that wouldn't. And who's going to win? The the woodens are going to drag the woods down to, you know, they're not going to do it. Yeah. So at least... Yeah, so at least the the advantage. Well, it takes the force of a big player. I, I remember when AutoZone switched to their to an entirely new system. They were only going to pay for parts as they were sold. So they would order parts in rotors, pads, whatever. They would sit on the shelf. They were paying the vendors, their their manufacturers. As soon as a part was scanned at the checkout counter, and then they started paying it. And this was a huge deal. They're like, holy crap, you can't do this. But they were the largest part distributor at the time. And they said, yeah, that's what we're doing. Sorry. It's either sell your tons, your, your product to the largest retailer in the country, or you're going to sell a whole lot less parts. So it, it's going to, I like the idea. I think that makes perfect sense. Having sold parts in the past, let me tell you, I knew which shops did things properly and which ones didn't because you could see it in your warranty reports and you'd have to go out and talk to the shops that had high warranty rates for, for several lines. You would see it line item by line item and say, man, I can't sell wheel bearings to the shop anymore because they all come back in six months, all of them. And I'm just constantly swapping out uh, wheel bearings. So you'd go out and you'd have a conversation. Maybe you'd send, you'd take a, a representative from the company to go out and say, hey, this is how you properly install it, whatever. But I mean, how do you even broach that subject with a shop and say, hey, it looks like you guys can't put in wheel bearings properly because your warranty rate is uh, quadruple what everybody else's is. So it's not the product. It's obviously oh, yeah. the way you're putting them in. Um, they didn't care. That, that's the thing. Like they're like, oh, it's either that or we stop buying from you, and somebody else will sell us the cheap wheel bearings. So pick your poison. Uh, it, it ends up taking a big player, sort of setting the standard and saying, look, this is what we're going to do now in order to push for certification. At least push. There has to be a market solution that isn't getting the government, because as Lucas said, they just go underground. And it almost becomes like, hey, I know a guy, he works out of his garage, but man, he, you know, they're installing parts super cheap. You just buy them off the internet, break, take them down there. If you go to a regular shop, they have to have all their guys certified and it's really expensive and you have to pay a lot. But this guy knows what he's doing. Or like moonlighting, that becomes another issue too. Yep. Yep. You have all these shops. Maybe you do get the guy certified. You pay for 
his certifications and the training needed to make sure that they can pass the certifications and you do the ongoing training and the whole, the, the whole thing. And then they're moonlighting at night, maybe not telling you, or maybe the, I've, I've seen this on ASOG shop owners that say, yeah, it's fine for them to moonlight for extra income. And so they're moonlighting. Yeah. The guy's certified, but man, he's not, you don't have to pay the overhead of a shop. Uh, and therefore it's much cheaper for you to take it to them and, and have them. There has to be a market solution. Well, look, I, I, I keep looking back at this and I keep saying, you know, look at the number of organizations in our industry, right? And and we've all been to all these training events and you see all of these different organizations that put on these training events. And, and there's, you know, this organization here and this organization in this state. And then you've got this organization up here. And you've got all of these people who are talking and they're, they're oh, we're going to do this and we're doing this and and we're putting on this training. And and look, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. The training is great. And, and maybe they're they're sending lobbyists to Washington. Maybe they've they're they're holding action campaigns, whatever it is. But I think when I look at any given newsletter from any one of these organizations, I think what concerns me is, is they're all going in a different direction. And the, the reason that that seems important to me is because it would be like me coming into my shop and saying, okay, each one of you, like, uh, here's your goal for the day. Your goal for the day is to sweep up your bay. And your your goal for the day is is produce 10 hours. And, and your goal for the day is is try not to look stupid. Right. And all of a sudden, the, the shop has no central goal, no central destination of where it's going. However, if I come into the shop and say, guys, hey, look, here's what our goal is for today. Um, you know, if we all turn 10 hours today, that's going to be 30 hours uh, at the end of the day. And we can get this customer out, this customer out, this customer out. And this is what the quality is going to look like. You know, paint that picture. I don't think we have that right now. I don't think there's any unified direction that our industry is going. There's no unified uh, organization out here saying, hey, here's these big problems and we all have to work together to get there. And it feels very, very much competitive when talking about these organizations. You know, this organization says, hey, we're trying to fix this, but don't you talk to us about trying to fix it. (laughs) You know, it just seems crazy to me. It just doesn't feel like we're going in one direction. Why didn't it happen with an organization like an ASA? They're nationwide. You would think they would have been able to unify all these associations. Instead, you had like the Midwest Auto Care Alliance was ASA Midwest. They separated from ASA, had to because of what ASA was doing. Why? I mean, why weren't they able to unify everybody and say, hey, right. we're, we're going to well, go in this one direction? I think ACA does the best of all of them right now. I think if you look at what ACA's efforts are, but now many shop owners, if if you go in ASOG right now and ask, there's not a lot of shop owners who know about the efforts of ACA. Yeah, I have no idea what they do. Right. And I mean, and and I didn't either. You have to go do research. You have to search them out and find out. Is that a problem though? (laughs) Yeah, of course it's a problem. Right. And, and, And they... They actively market. It's just it's not reaching the people like us. Right. <laughs> and and you know, so if I 
And I've got a a letter or write up on this where they talk about, you know, it was, I want to say it was like IGOA, um, the Independent Garage Owners of America that eventually turned into ASA and then it split in in multiple different directions. Um, I I think ACA is doing a lot of great things. I think a lot of these other organizations are doing a lot of great things, but none of them are driving our industry forward in the way that I think it should be driven forward. And, And, you know, that's like me saying that I should be a politician. I have no clue what the answer is. Please don't misunderstand. I'm not sitting here saying I have the answer. I'm just saying I think there's a lot of smart people involved that if they were all saying the same thing or at least saying something to the bulk of those who are in the field saying we need to get in a, in, in a car and go in one direction, I think it would help. What do you see as the solution, Matt? Well, that's a big question. <laughs> I Does it start maybe with technicians? I, they almost seem to like openly mock people that prize getting their ASC certifications. It's almost the nature of um, almost the nature of humans, honestly, to do that. It 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 does not make any sense. You know, it, it's kind of like you know the the ASC master tech or whoever couldn't who couldn't fix a sandwich. I mean, of course, that's the one you're going to talk about. Of course, that's the one you're going to remember because why would you ever remember? the ASE certified tech that figured something out or did it right. I mean, that's to be expected. Um, I'm just, I'm trying to think like, okay, the, the auto repair profession is credence good, meaning we know what we're delivering our customer better than they know what they're getting. And we're not alone in that, but we're, we're kind of fighting that. And then this propensity to, advertise market sell 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 cost and cost alone and if you ask somebody to sell value i don't know if they even know what that means and then to try to where i'm going with that is i think it would take a long time and i don't know how much time we have to to fix it because you know as cars get more and more depending on how this autonomy thing goes and even if it doesn't are people going to really be owning cars like they used to but that's probably jumping way ahead. I'm just I thinking think the uh, the the like the you pay the monthly fee and you get yeah. like a new vehicle every year or whatever. Subscription based like car a, ownership. Yeah, yeah subscription based car ownership. Yep. I, I mean, and I haven't seen it take off at all. But you know, I that, think it's going to take a completely different subject where yeah. some of these technocrats are trying to push the sense of not, at, or, or at least the idea of not owning anything at all um but that, that's like an entirely different subject yeah. how I, I don't think that's going to take or go over well at least here in the u.s how often I think do at you the guys... end of the day I, I, most people prize ownership of whatever it is that they're buying they want to own it and have it be theirs and exclusively theirs rather than just subscribe to it and just go yeah i'll never actually own it but i get a fresh one every month or whatever i i would be cautious Right. And and the only reason I say that is I, I think that uh, in history's sake, you know, history tends to repeat itself. Um, we've got to be careful looking at something like that and saying it will or it won't take off, you know, and and just like the coronavirus pandemic and marketing your shop. You don't really know what's coming down the road. You need to play both sides of that fence. You need to be prepared for whatever happens because you don't know what's coming. And. 
you know, I will say this, and 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 I don't want to get into whether it will or won't happen. And I know that's not the topic of the discussion, but I I want to point out something. You know, here in the shop, we're in a college town, right? And our younger drivers, year after year, when they come in, are less and less interested in getting their car back quickly. They're less and less interested in knowing anything about their car, right? It doesn't have that same meaning as it did to the the students that were the years before them. And you can feel that shift. I, I think we're dealing with a different generation. So I think we got to be really careful and and. In the same respect, they see auto service differently, right? To them, hey, look, I just want my car fixed, right? They don't care what it takes. And that's not all of them. But I do think that you need to be aware that that a, a large portion of our population may be changing. They value things differently. They have different beliefs and, and different uh, thought processes than what we've seen in the past. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. For our patrons, we will have the second half of our conversation with Matt Fanslow as a bonus episode. So make sure you become a patron to catch our extra content. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. It helps spread the word. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, or if you have any topic suggestions, please reach out to me via email. My email address is david at asog.site. That's D-A-V-I-D at A-S-O-G dot S-I-T-E. Until next time. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. Before I let you go, I need to ask you a question. Are you using the best innovative shop management system in the country? If you doubt that you are, why are you making your life harder? Shopware stays one step ahead of everyone else by bringing a clean, easy-to-use program unlike anything else on the market. Go to GetShopware.com and see what I mean today. That's GetShopware.com. Check it out. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.